0: Awesome. A few familiar faces in that video. And again, the informational meeting is August 17th. If you're interested in being a mentor, good morning. morning. How are we doing? Yes, happy Sunday. Uh, Friends, we are here today because Christ alone is our cornerstone. And we're here today to express the fact that Christ alone is our cornerstone and as we come, we are in the last week of our sermon series entitled, God Wrote a Book. And today, Pastor Jason is going to be leading us through 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. So before Jason comes up here, I want to read that to you. And I would love it. I know you just sat down. But I'd love it if you would stand with me as I read the Word of God this morning. Our passage for this morning says this. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped with every good work. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your word, and we ask now that as Pastor Jason comes, you would strengthen him, that we would have open hearts and minds. We want to be equipped for every good work right now. And we recognize, Holy Spirit, your work through the living word in our minds and hearts in order to continue our growth process and make us more like Jesus. That is our deep desire. We pray for it now. Amen.
1: You may be seated. Thanks, Pastor Matt. <clears throat> well, for those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor Jason. I get to serve as the adult ministries. Pastor here at Friendship Church, uh, which means I get to open God's Word with you every so often and uh, learn from it with you. So I'm excited to learn from Second Timothy, uh, chapter three, verses ten to seventeen. We're going to keep our noses in the text there this morning. Um, it is a passage all about Scripture anyway, so we may as well uh, be in the Word. So if you have your Bibles or your phones and you haven't opened to there yet. Uh, Please feel free to get yourself situated at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Pastor Matt mentioned we are summing up the God wrote a book sermon series. Last week, we had the opportunity to hear from Rick Allen. Was that awesome? awesome? So great. So thankful to the Lord for... Uh, Rick's journey, the, uh, the journey that the Lord has given him, and uh, all of the tools that he has given Rick uh, to be able to build us up in our faith as Rick looked at the reliability of Scripture. Uh, c- can we trust that what God's Word says is always what God's Word has said? Yes, indeed, we can, Rick showed us. The truthfulness of Scripture, Rick began to show us that last week as well. Is what the Bible teaches us true and right? And and Rick began to demonstrate that, that yes, it is true. It it is real. It's not fiction. Um, What we have has come from the Lord. And, And so that's the reliability and the truthfulness of Scripture. And I'm thankful that we heard that last week because this passage this morning is going to take a step further and teach us about the usefulness of Scripture and, and what scripture is able to do in our hearts and in our lives. And so I'm excited to open up God's word and learn about that with you this morning. We live in a world that is hostile to God. In a world that because of sin is naturally inclined away from God. And you may look around our current uh, culture and say, yeah, it's really easy to see that here in the 21st century in America. Things are getting worse and worse. But it's always been this way. It, this isn't, it's not new that culture is walking away from God. Ever since sin entered the world into creation, all of creation has been inclined away from the Lord and away from God. That's the reality of what we live in. And that's what the Apostle Paul is meditating on while writing 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 17. The the passage that Pastor Matt just read for us, if I back us up, just a few verses there, and if you've got your Bibles open, you can see this in 2 Timothy 3, uh, verses 2 to 5. Paul identifies the hostility that the world has towards God. In verses 2 to 5, he says that in the time before Jesus returns, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power a world that is hostile to God. And that raises the question for Paul as he's writing this letter to Timothy, a young preacher who's looking to pastor God's people. Well, how do we remain equipped to faithfully follow Jesus in a hostile world? There's hostility uh, from without, But there's also some forms of hostility from within for Timothy of of teachers who are teaching false things and walking away from the Lord as well. And so Timothy must be facing this question of, well, how how do we remain faithful in the midst of this hostility? And that's what Paul is addressing in verses 10 to 17. And there's there's two things that Paul's really going to hit home. The first thing that Paul's going to hit home in the first few verses is, how do we remain faithful? Uh, Look to and take note of Other faithful believers, be encouraged by them and see their example. And the second thing is is really the main thing because it allows the faithful believers to set a good example. But the second thing Paul gets into is abiding in God's word. So that's Paul's advice to Timothy this morning is how do we remain faithful to Jesus? How do I help people remain faithful to Jesus? Look to faithful examples to be encouraged and emulate those examples And almost more centrally, abide in God's word. It's our lifeline to remain faithful to Jesus. And we're going to see that throughout this morning. So Paul starts out in 2 Timothy uh, uh, Timothy 3, verses 10 to 13. We can start there in uh, verse 10, where Paul gets into this first idea of take close note of faithful believers around us. We can see this starting in verse 10. Paul says... You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, Timothy. Paul is saying to Timothy, you've you've followed my life. You've you've seen it. You've you've taken close note of all the things uh, that I've taught, all the things that I've done, all the things I've endured. And Paul starts there with with things like, uh, Timothy, you followed my teaching, my aim in life, my, my faith in God. Paul is starting there with uh, his doctrine. Timothy, you followed the things that, that I have taught. You have followed uh, my doctrine. What we believe is highly important. Not because when we get to heaven, there will be a Bible quiz. and And, you know, depending on how well you do is... Uh, whether you're in or not, or how big your mansion is. What we believe is highly important because what we truly believe impacts how we behave. And that's what Paul is presenting here as he continues the list of things that Timothy has taken close note of. He takes hold of what Paul believes and has taught and the way that it impacts his life. Paul goes on in verse 10 to say, Timothy, take note of my patience, my love, my steadfastness. The Holy Spirit is bearing fruit in Paul's life because Paul has carefully committed himself to understanding who God is and what God has done and getting that doctrine right. But that's not where he ended. He also then allowed what he believed to end impact the way that he was conducting his life and Paul says look at how this doctrine that I have of God has impacted me look at what it has done for the sake of the gospel as James 1:22 says Paul is not just a hearer of the word somebody who thinks those are nice ideas and let's keep them up here in my head but he's a doer of the word as well and that's what Paul is saying to Timothy if you want to remain faithful in the in the Lord, in the midst of a hostile world, look to examples of the faith. Be encouraged by examples of the faith. Take note of their lives, the things that they believe, and the ways that those beliefs impact their lives and change their lives. Paul is urging Timothy to do the same. Take what you believe and don't let it just sit there as a mental, intellectual ascent to, I believe that, work it into your life. How can we remain equipped to faithfully follow Jesus in a hostile world? We take note of the faithful believers around us. This works uh, to equip us to remain in the Lord because, as I've already mentioned it, it encourages us. When I see somebody... Who is walking with the Lord and genuinely being transformed in ways that only God could be working? I'm encouraged. It, it creates in me this I want to be like that type of desire. At the the former church I used to serve at, there was a, an elder and his wife, and um, he was an elder. He was qualified to be an elder uh, spiritually, but he was also qualified to be an elder age wise. Uh, And I mention that, I say that because what I really appreciated about him and his wife were that they didn't fit this particular stereotype of being stuck in your ways. They had this softness. They had this tenderness. They, it struck me. They even had an eagerness to learn from, from me and, and, and people my youthful age And it, it genuinely struck me, though. I, th- I thought, this this goes against what I'm used to seeing. I'm, I'm used to seeing the older that you get, the more set in your ways you become. And I, I remember thinking to myself, in addition to that, this elder, man, he has a soft heart towards God. He He cries when... When, when he's overcome by the Lord and it happens often and I look at him and say, I want to bear that fruit when I'm that old. I want to be like that. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by that and, and I see an example in him of what to strive for because that's, a, that's clearly something that the Lord is doing in his life. That's clearly the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I look, take close note of, of what he believes and how that is impacting him, how that changes him. There's another, another guy that I, I, I didn't know quite as well, but one of the things that, that this guy would do when asked to pray, often he would simply go, okay, yes, I'll pray. And he would, we'd bow our heads and he would go, Lord, give us grace. Amen. First few times you're like, that's it? Okay. That's what he genuinely believed. He knew That if he could receive more of God's grace, he'd be equipped for everything that God is calling him to do. He genuinely believed that. And I took that as... That's what he believed and that transformed him to walk in that grace and seek to live in that grace. And so taking note of the doctrine that he held and the way that it impacted his life, taking note of other faithful believers encourages me in the midst of a hostile world and it encourages me uh, to to follow that example as as other believers are formed by Christ. And I, I get jealous and I want to be like that. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy here. He also goes on, he elaborates a little bit more on taking note of those faithful believers around us. And he presses in a little bit to take close note of the response they get from the world. As he moves into verse 11 here, Paul says, Timothy, you followed my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. At Antioch, Paul had to flee the city because they wanted to kill him. At Iconium, they wanted to stone Paul. At Lystra, they actually did stone Paul. Timothy saw the response that a faithful believer had. He took close note of the response from a hostile world. And this equips us to follow Jesus faithfully because it sets our expectation properly. The point Paul makes right after that is indeed. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I am highly directionally challenged. Okay? I'll admit it. Okay? I, I still don't know north, south, east, west here. Oh, we, we live eight miles away from this church campus in some direction. Thank you. I will often get lost. It will often take me uh, multiple tries to to get somewhere. Uh, My wife will attest, I will will often get lost leaving a parking lot. uh, Like, oh, I thought the exit was over. Oh, no, we're back in a row of cars. Okay. One time, I made it to a friend's lake house first try. And it was a miracle because uh, there was a point where it it was near the house and There's this like dirt road that looks like it doesn't go anywhere and and isn't really part of my path. But before I left, my friend said, hey, you're going to hit this point where there's this dirt road and it looks like it goes nowhere and it doesn't really look like it's a part of how you're getting here. Turn there. Trust me, you'll, you'll make it. If he hadn't have said that, I would have thought, well, here we go again. All right, turn around, find some cell service, figure out where we're going here but he warned me about that. He said, it's going to look this way. Just just so you know, don't be thrown off by that. And that's what Paul's doing here as as he reminds Timothy, you've taken note of the persecution. You've taken note of the way that the hostile world has responded to me. Because if Paul hadn't told Timothy and, and other believers That all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. We may turn around from the faith when persecution comes. We may think, "Well, God wants my uh, God wants my happiness and He wants my safety. I must be doing something wrong by following Jesus. If this is what it's going to earn me, if I'm going to be persecuted, if I'm going to face tribulation, if I'm going to face trials, we we may think that." So Paul is setting the expectation of Timothy: Don't turn around. Persecution is not necessarily a sign that you're doing something wrong. In fact, it may be a confirmation and an affirmation and an encouragement to keep on. All who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. So if you're being persecuted for living a godly life, be encouraged to continue on. Timothy, take close note of the response of those faithful believers uh, that they get from the world when they seek to live a godly life. Paul saying you've looked at my life. You've seen those persecutions. You know I did that on behalf of the Lord. And now you know that you can expect that when it comes. And you can be encouraged that you, you can be encouraged that other believers empowered by the Holy Spirit have endured. It's like in Hebrews 12, after the, the author of Hebrews catalogs all of these people of faith. And then in, in 12 verse 1, the author of Hebrews goes on and says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, because there are people that we can look to who have gone before us, who have endured for the sake of the gospel, keep on. And that's what Paul is saying here. Ways that we can do this. Are there people in your life, a group of people, or individuals in your life that you can point to and say, This person is living for the Lord, and I see what they believe is impacting who they are, and as they live that out, they're facing hardship and, and different levels of persecution, and they're remaining faithful. Are there people in your life that you can look to and be encouraged by and follow their example of? A group of people, a small group, a life group, a Bible study, or individuals that you can identify for that. Another way to to be highly encouraged in the face of hardship, find a biography on a missionary who is serving in a particularly hostile part of the world. I mean, you will read stories in that of the Holy Spirit producing fruit and and creating the endurance in faithful believers. And it will challenge you and encourage you to keep on in our setting. Because Paul Paul says, yes, look at the response they get from the world, but he he makes sure that Timothy recognizes and remembers, yes, there are these trials and and tribulations, but the Lord delivered me from them all. The Lord delivered me out of the hand of all, all of them, he points Timothy back to God's deliverance, which is greater than the persecution, than the trial, than the tribulation. How do we remain equipped to faithfully follow Jesus in a hostile world? Paul starts by showing us we, we take close note of other faithful believers around us. But he moves on into what's even more central uh, to equip us to faithfully follow Jesus because the faithful believers who are these examples and who are these encouragements those, faith, those same faithful believers have trusted in God's word, have trusted in God's promises and Paul is going to outline how that is what is going to allow us to be faithful to Jesus in a hostile world we do that by abiding in God's abundantly useful word first thing that Paul says about this when we get to verse 14, Paul says, okay, you have um, you have these persecutions and these sufferings and these trials and you can look to people who uh, have faithfully lived this out. It's going to be really difficult though because you have these evil people at the end of verse 13 and imposters who are going from bad to worse and uh, things are getting harder. But verse 14 says, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So, what Paul is getting at here with sacred writings is clearly scripture. And the first thing he tells Timothy there in verse 14 is continue, abide in, remain in what you have learned from the scripture. Now this teaching comes from the scripture, but it comes through those same faithful believers from verses 10 to 13. Those faithful believers who have been walking with the Lord. Paul says, you know those people, you know me, you know the people who have been living this out and it's because of scripture and you can receive instruction from those fruit-bearing believers both in what they tell you and in the way that they've conducted their lives. Receive that instruction from God's word. It's, it's not, the power doesn't lie in having the best example to follow. The power doesn't lie in having the most encouragement from somebody's life or the best story that you can find. The power comes from the instruction that comes from God's word. The power comes literally from God's word, is what it says at the end of verse 15, that scripture is able, it is powerful to make you wise for salvation. How do we remain faithful in the midst of a hostile world? It's by clinging to these very words of God that we have and allowing them to transform us. And we receive that instruction from those fruit-bearing believers, both in what they teach and also in their lives. Paul is wholly focused on God's word here, both in bringing us to salvation, as as he says uh, in in verse fifteen, that it's able to make you wise for salvation. But also, as he goes on, God's word will also keep us steadfast in that faith. It is useful to keep us going. Verse 14 says, continue. Continue, Timothy, in what you have learned. Continue in those things. It's the same word, if you're familiar with John 15, where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. That's the same word for remain, abide, continue. Soak it up, live in it. Find your life In it. Abide in what you have learned from God's word, which has come to you through instruction from fruit-bearing believers. And so I ask again: do you have a group of fruit-bearing believers in your life that are pointing you back to your need for God's grace, that are pointing you back to your need for Jesus? It was really encouraging for me. We're at Rhythm on the Rails uh, every Wednesday evening, our last. Uh, our last time there is this Wednesday. So Friendship is at a booth there. We've been able to share the gospel with uh, dozens of people and pray with some folks and interact with people that are attending Rhythm at the Rails. And sometimes in, in, in the lulls where uh, people are mostly listening to the band or there's just a, a little bit of lull of activity over here, we get to talk with uh, some of the people at the, our table that are hosting the table. I was having a conversation with somebody. And we just got to talking of... Um, how easy it is, even for us at Rhythm on the Rails, to, to turn that into a, uh, oh yeah, like we, we need to be here and we need to be sharing the gospel because we wouldn't say this out loud, but because that's what makes God love us, because that's what brings us into salvation. And, and it just got me thinking of, there are so many ways that we can distort God's grace especially living in the world that we live in, where we are so performance-driven, where we are so about what, what somebody can accomplish. Now, it's, it's, it's good to seek to accomplish good things, but when we make that the main thing and say, what, what can I accomplish in my flesh? And, 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 and maybe draw a certain threshold of, yeah, I, I need God's grace for this, this, and this, but, but I got this part. You know, I can do the sharing of the gospel part, or I can do my Devo's part, or I can fight sin on my own over here, or I, I can keep a healthy relationship or a healthy marriage. I, I got that. I don't need the Lord, I don't need His grace to redeem that. Man, we, we need to be pointed back by other fruit bearing believers to say, no, you know what? You got to remain and abide in God's word, the things that you've learned. That's by grace alone that you are saved through faith, not by works. How many different things can we take? daily and turn it into the particular work of uh, work from my flesh, that earns me my salvation. That is why we need to abide in God's Word and receive from it daily and over and over and have other people in our lives who can speak those truths to us as well. And so we abide abundantly abide in God's abundantly useful word by receiving instruction from fruit-bearing believers. But Paul ends by pressing into um, really how Scripture does that, how Scripture affects those things in our lives. And, And the first thing that he points out is the Scripture makes us wise for salvation. At the end of verse 15, that's exactly what Paul says. He says, the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. If you flip to Psalm 19, you'll see the same exact thing. Where it says the word of the Lord is, uh, is perfect, making wise the simple. And so it, it, it takes those of us, all of us, who apart from Jesus don't know the Lord. And so we, we live in this ignorance. And it takes the ignorant and, and makes us wise. Wise to salvation in Christ Jesus. Scripture makes us wise for salvation. And I want to make a clear distinction that Paul uh, makes very clearly here as well. He says, what he says is, Scripture is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What brings us salvation? Jesus Christ. Faith in Him. Scripture does not bring us salvation. Scripture is very important, and it's the main instrument that God uses to awaken in us and see our need for Jesus, see our fallen condition that we're sinners separated from God, to see the grace of Jesus, to see the love of Jesus on the cross, and it compels us to put our faith in Christ Jesus. But it's used instrumentally. It's not of value in and of itself unless it's pointing us to Jesus. I can sometimes be guilty of approaching Scripture for just finding all the depth of of what God is saying in it and getting excited because I'm learning new things or I'm seeing new things, and that's great as long as it's making me worship the Lord and as long as it's building my faith in the salvation of Jesus Christ. If I'm just getting excited about what's in Scripture because, oh, wow, look at this, this is a new insight, great, I'm turning Scripture into an idol. I'm more concerned about learning and novelty than I am about encountering Jesus. What Paul is saying here is very clear. Scripture is able to make us wise for salvation as we engage with it. It doesn't provide us that salvation. Jesus does. When we put our faith in Jesus and we receive his grace, we also receive the Holy Spirit. And it is him, the Holy Spirit, who allows us to look at Scripture and Scripture goes from ancient dead letter to life-giving words. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who is allowing us to commune with God through Scripture. That's our goal. And that's what Paul is saying when he says it's able to make you wise for salvation. That's the usefulness of Scripture. Scripture is useful in that it makes us wise for salvation. Paul goes on to show that Scripture is useful for all that we need in our Christian walk. So after we've put our faith in Jesus, after we've received the Holy Spirit, we come back to Scripture, and we walk out what the Lord is calling us to do. And this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where we're going to end our time this morning, reflecting on this usefulness of Scripture in our own lives. Paul goes on in verse 16. I'm sure many of us are um, familiar with this verse. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for a list of things. When when Paul says all Scripture is breathed out by God, he's not saying anything new. It seems earth-shattering to us that all Scripture comes from the Lord. But again, go read Psalm 19. This belief was prevalent in God's people always that the words that we have are words directly from God. What Paul is doing is he's reminding us, remember, these words are from God, therefore, it is useful for these things because they come from the Lord. They're our lifeline to the Lord. So all scripture is God-breathed and it's profitable for teaching. In a hostile world that lies to us, Scripture grants us teaching that we can cling to. Sometimes I like to think that I'm a pretty smart guy. Most of the time it turns out, turns out I'm more of a smart aleck. But sometimes I like to think I'm smart. and So I may engage a cultural issue or I may engage a, a question about, uh, what 's good and what's wrong or uh, what's, what's right and what's evil? I may engage different questions around me uh, in my own intellect. And maybe, oh I don't, I don't know enough about that. What does Google say? Or oh I don't know enough about that. What about chat GPT? let 's get some AI going here Or maybe oh, I don't know enough about that. I need to read more blogs. We have the words of God that are able to make us wise for salvation. Scripture is useful for teaching in a world that we see gets carried around, tossed to and fro I'm literally that picture of to and fro if you if you look at history it's a pendulum swinging from we believe this. No, that's not good. We're going to believe this. No, that's not good. So we're going to go back to here. No, that's not good. So we're going to go back to here. We don't need the pendulum. We've got the word. It is useful for teaching. In this hostile world, world that throws lies at us, Scripture grants us teaching that we can cling to. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's profitable also for reproof. Reproof views the wrong in our lives and loves us enough to call it out and say, this is wrong, this is harmful, this is leading to destruction. Stop it. All Scripture is uh, useful for uh, teaching. It's also useful for reproof in a hostile world that seduces us to walk in the way of sinners. Scripture provides reproof, calling us back to God. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes sin seems enticing to me. Anybody else? There are things that say, oh, that look, doesn't look that bad. Seems pretty good. Scripture allows us to faithfully combat this, this enticement from a hostile world that calls us into sin by reproofing it and saying, eh, don't go that way. It's going to lead to destruction. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for correcting. The, the picture here, it's, it's think, think orthopedic, orthos. Making something right, making something that's bent straight again. Sin has hurt and marred us in every way. Each individual in this room probably has story after story that you can tell of ways that other people's sin has hurt and marred you. And if you're honest, you probably have even more stories of ways that our own sin has hurt and marred others and has hurt and marred ourselves. Scripture is able to provide corrective healing to that by the power of the Holy Spirit as we engage with God's word. Maybe it's a broken relationship that we refuse to extend forgiveness for and Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew calls us to forgive others the same way that we've been forgiven and so scripture provides corrective healing that says, yes, you've been hurt but the path to healing is not resentment and bitterness. The path to healing is forgiveness. In scripture, through its teaching, provides that healing, the corrective healing for us. In a hostile world that mars us and leaves us hurt by sin, Scripture can provide that healing to make us whole again. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for training in righteousness. In a hostile world that is daily seeking to have us conform to the patterns of the flesh, Scripture provides the proper training for our thoughts and for our actions. We live in a world that because of sin, since sin entered the world, we are bent away from God. We need training to go the right way. There, we, have a, we have an awesome lilac tree bush. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a bush or a tree. One of the two. It's broken. It's broken. There's a huge branch that's broken in the front. So it's growing the wrong way. If I could figure out how to get that branch back up and get something in there, it's going to train the tree to grow the right way once again. And that's what Scripture does for us in the training in righteousness. We are hardwired to sin. But Scripture provides the training in righteousness to say, nope, You don't want to grow that way, you don't want to go, nope, you you want to do this so that the man of God may be complete, completely ready for every good work that God has called us to do. In a hostile world that throws lies at us, Scripture grants teaching that we can cling to. In a hostile world that seduces us to walk in the way of sinners, Scripture provides reproof. In a hostile world... That mars us and leaves us hurt by sin. Scripture provides corrective healing. And in a hostile world that is constantly tugging and pulling us uh, to, to conform to the patterns of the flesh, Scripture provides us with proper training for our thoughts and actions. Do you see the usefulness of Scripture? Do you see our dire need for Scripture in order to faithfully follow Jesus in a hostile world? So as we begin to prepare our hearts for communion this morning, I want to close with some questions uh, around this message this morning that may help us prepare. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as you prepare for communion, I want to remind us. What scripture has taught us is that Christ Jesus died for our sins. That we can receive his grace By faith. And we can walk in the ways that God has designed for us. When we receive Jesus by faith, we receive that grace, we receive that healing, we receive the Holy Spirit, and he is the one who allows us to approach Scripture this way. And Scripture goes from an ancient dead letter to a life-giving word of instruction and encouragement that the Lord can use to build us up. So I just want us to reflect on how Scripture can be encouraging us today and how it may be interacting with you, whatever it is that you are facing. So there's a few questions I've got up for us. I'm going to flip through a couple of slides. So if there's a question that resonates with you, Hang on to that one and interact with it. But hopefully this will prepare our hearts to come and commune with the Lord and celebrate uh, what he is doing and and tell him, God, this is how I want to engage with your word uh, because of my faith in Christ. So some thoughts and questions to think about. What lies are you facing or believing that need to be exposed by the teaching of Scripture? What sin are you being enticed by that needs to be reproofed by Scripture? What brokenness are you experiencing that needs to undergo corrective healing by Scripture? What patterns of the world are you conforming to that Scripture wants to break you free from? Finally, what steps of faith Is Scripture equipping you for as it trains you in righteousness? Let's encourage you in the next few moments to reflect on one of those questions, a few of those questions. If there's a need for repentance or confession to the Lord, go ahead and do that and receive His grace that He's promised to us in His Word. If we are... If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. There's freedom to confess any shortcoming and freedom to receive His grace in this moment. And as you prepare your hearts, as you are ready, uh, you can make your way over to one of the tables to receive the communion elements. And after this song of reflection, Pastor Matt will lead us in the taking of those elements.